Hello, friends, and welcome to the Everyday Truth Podcast with Kurt Skelly. We are here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day. And we're glad you joined us here for the conversation. Right now, we're studying the book of Revelation in a series called The End is the Beginning. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Hello, friends, and welcome back to Everyday Truth. Uh, Yesterday, we talked about the voice of the Lord as being like the voice of a trumpet. It calls us to attention. It calls us to action. Uh, Today, I want to talk about what was that voice? What what words did Jesus use? Look at uh, Revelation chapter 1 and verse 11, uh, where the Bible says, saying, so the, the voice of the Lord is saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, and what thou seest, write in a book, and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, unto Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea. So this really speaks to, to the, the, the methodology of the revelation. So Jesus ultimately is communicating to John, we find out in verse number one, through an angel. And it's the voice of the Lord. It's the testimony of Jesus Christ. It's the word of God. It's a word that's powerful, a word that calls to attention, a word that must be heeded and obeyed. And yet it's interesting what Jesus says. He says, so John, I want you to take the things that you're seeing, the things that you're hearing, and I want you to write them down. So this speaks to the process of inscripturization. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable. So the fact that you and I are reading this today, the fact that we have a canon uh, that we call the Word of God, the, the revelation, the special revelation of God to man, is a matter of God using holy men of old, like John, who wrote down what Jesus told him to write write down so that you and I have a sure word of truth uh, that we can reference today. So ultimately, the the revelation of God is inscripturated. It's written down so that you and I can have benefit uh, today. Now, the immediate benefit back in those days was that this in letter form could go to the seven churches of Asia Minor. But I think you and I both understand that many of the epistles, although intended to go to Philippi or to Thessalonica or to Galatia or to individuals like Timothy, Titus, or Philemon, are ultimately geared for you and me as well because it's profitable for all of us. Not all scripture has been written to me, but all scripture has been written for me. And what a wonderful truth to know that we have a beacon in these dark days, and that beacon is the Word of God. Now look at verse number 11 of our text, where John responds to the voice of Jesus, this voice, as it were, uh, like a trumpet. And, And watch what it says. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me. So the voice the powerful voice caused John to turn to see, to consider the person of Christ more carefully. And is that not a great practical takeaway that when we hear the word of God, 
whether it be in our local church assemblies, whether it be right now in a podcast like this, or whether it be in my own personal reading of God's Word, it ought to cause us to turn, to pay attention to uh, the person who is speaking those words, to turn to Jesus. And the Bible says, I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. Interesting. So as John is arrested by this voice like a trumpet, these words of Jesus, he turns and he does see Jesus. We're going to see that here in a moment. But he sees Jesus in the middle of seven lampstands. So to you and me, a lampstand might not be as readily obvious, but in the ancient world, uh, the way by which light was dispersed in a room was on a lampstand. When the lamp was on a stand, it gave it a greater proximity for the light to the, the rays of that light to make a difference in that dark room. The lampstand didn't provide light, but the lampstand was the apparatus on which the light could be more effectively seen and have more effect in its shining. Just as as a lampstand did not in itself bear light, so you and I. Uh, do not in ourselves bear light. The Bible, the Bible says in John chapter 1, another book that uh, John penned uh, about Jesus, that was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. So we are not the light of the world in the sense that we produce light, but we are the light of the world as churches, as individuals, as we reflect the light of Jesus, as we hold the light of God, of Jesus on the lampstand that is our church, that is our life. So watch what happens in verse number 13. And in the midst of, we would say today, in the middle of, in the midst of the seven candlestick, uh, candlesticks was like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to his foot, girt about with the paps, so his chest, with a golden girdle, or like a, a belt-like like the priests would be, like the priests would be adorned. Uh, the the book of Exodus tells us a little bit about how the priests' garments would look and how they were, they had this be- golden belt, uh, golden threads. So obviously, what's being described here in Revelation one is almost like a, a, a holy place scene. Remember, in the holy place was the golden candlestick that had seven parts to it. So there are seven lampstands here. And the priest who was allowed in that holy place, uh, I want you to think about maybe Luke chapter 1, where Zechariah, the priest, had offered incense upon the altar of incense. So in that same compartment, the holy place, was the golden candlestick, uh, the table of showbread, and the priest. The priest would be the one that would change that bread once a week. The priest would be the one that would offer that incense. The priest would be the one that would keep the the wick of the candlestick trimmed and keep the oil supplied and keep the lamp burning. It was his job. So here we see the ultimate priest, the Lord Jesus, arrayed in priestly attire, who is attending to the lampstands. And we're going to find that the lampstands are the churches. Ephesus and Sardis and Thyatira and Pergamos and the churches that were just mentioned. In other words, Jesus is the one that tends to the churches. 
He's the one that keeps the light burning. He's the one that prunes and, and snips the wick and the one that supplies the power, the oil, uh, the, the, the impetus by which the church can accomplish its, its purpose. Wow, what, a, what an image that John is seeing. And remember, he's to write all of this down. And the fact that you and I are reading it today is evidence that John obeyed the Lord on that day when the Lord said, hey, write all this down. We're learning some things about how the Lord works, how the Lord works in and through his word, how the Lord works in and through uh, his local church. Remember, it's the church that is the pillar and ground of the truth. Look, look at what it says in verse number um, verse number 14, as it describes the Lord, his head and his hairs were white like wool. So uh, the gray head in ancient days symbolized wisdom and authority. Then the Bible says, his eyes were as a flame of fire, piercing judgment, discernment, like a, a person that could look right through you. Verse number 15, his feet like unto fine brass. Brass, a symbol of judgment in the Bible, of purification. Uh, and, and, and as if they burned in a furnace. And his voice is the sound of many waters. So today, if we described a, an impressive sound, we might say the sound of, a, of an airplane taking off. But back in Bible days, the, the greatest sounds were the sounds of nature, like the crashing of waves of the ocean or the mighty rushing of a waterfall. In other words, a, a powerful, mighty word from a, a wise and, and, and powerful entity uh, being described as the son of man. Now, how, how would an, a first century reader in one of these churches understand this symbolism? <coughs> Excuse me. They would understand it in terms of Daniel chapter 7. So Daniel described the Son of Man, the one that approached the Ancient of Days, to who was given authority to rule over all the kingdoms of the world and to set them down. So Son of Man was a title of authority. Uh, the the God-Man, Jesus, all God, all man, we call that the hypostatic union, uh, the one mediator between God and man, the one worthy to rule the kingdoms of this world. So what is being described in Revelation chapter one? Jesus, the ultimate king of kings and Lord of lords with ultimate authority, uh, the eternal God who became man, who represents us, but who loves us and tends us. Look at verse number 16 again, and, and he had in his right hand seven stars. We're going to find out what those stars are. They're the, the, the leaders of those churches, the pastors of those churches. The Bible says, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. So the glory of his presence, like the sun shining, but what, 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 is his, what are his words? His words are like a sword, that a sword that's sharp, that has two edges, that cuts no matter which way you, 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 you thrust it in. And the Bible, of course, tells us in Hebrews chapter 4 that the word of God is quick, it's alive, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joint and marrow, 
It's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. In other words, <clears throat> the word of God is so powerful that it, ha- <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> that it has a transformative power in our lives. It can change us. It can, re- it can reveal to us our innermost motivations. It can help us to become more like Jesus. This is a picture of Jesus Christ and what a picture it is. When we get a fresh glimpse of Jesus, well, that incentivizes us to live for him in ways that we perhaps would never have lived for him otherwise. When we see him, when we look at the word of God and see not just words, not just rules, but we see the son of God himself, that's where the transformation takes place. Now, we're going to come back to this. That's all the time we have for today. We're going to come back to this and just see how does John respond to this as he turns to this trumpet-sounding word, as he sees this scene. How does this affect John? More importantly, how does it affect you? How does it affect me? Uh, we'll talk about all of that next episode. Hope, uh, hope this helps today. Hope you have a great day in the Lord. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.